Yat A. Hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicki Katsuli Boy Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Ayahat, thank you. Hello, everyone. How are you all doing? It feels like forever. And thank you for your grace. I had posted a video letting you all know that I've been traveling a lot. And since things have opened up, clients are done with Zoom. <laughs> they are completely done with Zoom. They're like, no, we want you in person. So jokingly, when I see people now in person, I say, oh, my goodness, you have legs <laughs> because we've been living in a little box for the past couple of years. And it's been good. I can tell you that reconnecting with human beings in the human form is actually really energizing. It is also draining. Definitely my favorite time of season. The weather completely has shifted here in New Mexico. It's sweater season, my favorite tea. And this last quarter, I love it because it's the time when we really reconnect with our family and of course, lots of good food. And I feel like it's also a time to slow down and reflect as the year's coming to an end and thinking about what learnings I've had and harvesting that, thinking about how I want to show up in the new year. So anyway, that's a little bit about what's going on with me. I think I have allergies, so just bear with me during our time together. I have a poem for you by one of my favorite authors, Richard Wagamese, and it comes from the book called What Comes from Spirit. So it starts like this. I used to pray for everything I thought I wanted, big cars, big money, big and glittery everything, mostly so I could feel glittery. That was always a struggle. These days, I've learned to pray in gratitude for what's already here, prosperity, health, well-being, moments of joy, and to pray for the same things for others. To paraphrase an old teaching I'm learning to want nothing but to desire everything and to choose what appears. Life is easier that way, more graceful, and I am glittery from the inside out. Mm, I love it. I feel that now that I'm in my fall season of my life, when I do pray that I do pray for good health, to be in a good place spiritually, to be in a good place mentally, and I want those things for people I don't know and people who, of course, are in my inner circle. So it just made me think about when we're younger, we wanted different things. And, we, and as we get older, as I'm telling you all that I am, that I want different things. I appreciated this poem. It's sweet, short, but it's also very powerful. And of course, I love the part where at the end he says, I am glittery, but from the inside out because I think I am too. <laughs> All righty. I want to introduce our guest. Her name is Natalie Benali, 
I actually met her through Instagram is where I found her. One day I was scrolling through and I saw this beautiful young native woman doing her thing. She's dancing. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So I started to peruse her wall and I don't really see a lot of native dancers. It was cool seeing that she is doing her thing. Besides her being a dancer, she's an artist, a true artist. She's a filmmaker. She's an actress. She also produces is a community and language advocate for the Navajo Nation. And she's the co-founder and co-director of Sehnato. She's been a recipient of different funding sources to create her movies and her videos. And she's been in film. She actually was the voice of Dory in the movie Finding Nemo. And you have to hear that clip. I mean, if you understand Navajo, it really is funny. There are movies now that are being translated in our language, which I think is a beautiful thing. And so she actually got to play that role of Dory in using our Dinepitza language in it, which I think is beautiful. Natalie Benali, I wanted to bring her on because of a story I'll share shortly. But Natalie, please bring your voice into the space. Say hello to our listeners. Yeah, day everyone. She Natalie Benali and Shia Nahabani and Shlan Tachit Yubashis Teen and it's Ajit Shichita Tobai Edishanella Ekatai Dinit Asanchle. Always got to hit him with the intro at first. <laughs> Hello, my relatives. So I am Natalie Benali. I'm born for the Grey Streak Inns People Clan, born for the Red Running Into Water Clan. My maternal grandparents' clan is the Zeni Provo People Clan, and my paternal grandparents' clan is the Water Edge People Clan. I'm originally from a little place called Springside, New Mexico, which is about 15 minutes outside of Gallup, New Mexico. I was born and raised there on the res, and I currently live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, also known as Occupied Taylor Lands. So there I am. <laughs> I love it. Res raised, res made. <laughs> res made, yes, absolutely. Res kid through and through. <laughs> I love it because growing up on the res, I feel like it offers us so much grounding in ways that I think about young Native people who grow up in the urban setting. Mm. It's so different. Thinking about that, thinking about the res, what do you feel like that offering gave you? It's an interesting sort of reflection I've had this year of reading and sort of re-reminding myself that where I grew up on the res, that is first and foremost, the most ultimate connector that I have to everything and who I am. And even though I don't live there full time anymore, I within this year have definitely had a much higher calling of being able to go back more often. Sometimes I do fall into that cycle of like, oh, I'm so busy and I'm traveling and I'm working. But lately, I've definitely felt a, a deeper sense of need to be back on my on the lands of like my family and be in connection with the place that I grew up because that's initially where everything started for me was on the res was like gr growing up dancing and making art before I even did it anywhere else. Also, I feel like it's a privilege, honestly, to be able to have something that is able to ground me and root me back whenever things get a little too chaotic or I get. A, crazy busy it's it's a it's a blessing and I think there's such a different way of moving about the world that wouldn't be the same if I didn't you know have that time and ability to be able to grow up where generations of my family have have lived and grown for so many generations upon generations of people so right yeah I love the fact that you just recognize I know I need to go back and I'm crazy busy but it's almost like a bubble thought I haven't been home for a while 
speaking of. And it keeps coming up like you need to go home and see your dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to go home and connect with your relatives. I think you know what I'm talking about when the bubble thoughts keep coming up. This year has been most likely one of my ch- most challenging years to date in terms of everything. So I am very grateful to be in a place where I am able to just hop in my car and drive two hours west from Albuquerque and be back home. A lot of people live really, really far. Are they not able to just get in their vehicle and drive? They have to take days to be able to go back to their homelands. Definitely going to be doing that more this year and just spending more time with my parents. My parents are elders now and they're going to need more support in the wintertime and we'll need us young people to come in and, and help take care of them. Yeah, I love your Instagram page because I get a little glimpse of who I think Natalie is. I know that social media shows one side. We don't know the whole story, right? Mm-hmm. But I got to see a clip of your papa. In some places, he just sits back and he seems like one that observes, right? But when he has something yeah. to say, I'm sure he has something to say. <laughs> and then your mom, I love her spirit. <laughs> one of my, my mama. favorite videos is when you had said, yeah, this is where I get my killer dance moves from. <laughs> And your mom shows you how to dance forward and backward. I just love that video because it's just a beautiful moment to see her be her true self, but also be so playful. I appreciate watching little clippets of your extended pieces of you, like your family, because it does show how you came to be as this woman. Yeah, my parents are definitely so opposite, but I learned so many different things from them and when the pandemic happened and I couldn't visit them as often, I think that was where, again, sometimes you don't know until it actually happens. Like, oh my gosh, I I don't visit home often enough. I should do that more. So, I mean, they taught me everything I know in terms of my work ethic and like being a go-getter and making things happen. I don't think I would have had as much success as I have now if I wasn't instilled with that from the very get-go. So, Yeah. So thinking of that, what do you feel like is one thing for sure that your mom has given you a nugget and then also your dad that you feel really carries you today? Oh, let's have so much. I feel like this is a common thread of an answer for a lot of Dine people when it comes to the women in our families, because we're matriarchal. I'm sure we've heard that a lot. (laughs) Dine people are matriarchal society. We see a lot of power with our women. And it was something that I didn't actually quite understand was different than the Western side of the world Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was just so there. My mom was such a strong individual in the household. My father would never do anything without speaking to my mother first. He always was like, I... I, of course, am the man in this family and I work and I provide, but I can't make a decision regarding something unless I've spoken with your mom about it. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I always was like, oh, yeah, that's the way it is. And then when I left the res, when I went to go to school and I kind of started seeing how families operated in a more like patriarchal Western lens that I really understood how different that was and how having my mom be this really strong matriarchal figure who could work just as hard as the men who very vocal and very strong really did influence me to be just as strong as that. And my dad actually was the opposite. My dad is such a teddy bear. (laughs) He's so like he works hard and he does what he needs to do. But my dad was the more softy of the two. And I'm a definite daddy's girl. Like if my mom wouldn't get me something, I'd be like, dad, (laughs) um, can you get me this? And so it was an interesting dynamic. It was very much the reverse. My mom being the more like 
weaker, like strong person, but then my dad being more soft and more gentle and tender. I think those two combinations from them and also just, again, the work ethic is where a lot of the, I get it from both of them because they work hard. They worked hard to provide and they also really did do a really great job of with um, keeping me in check of always being aware of the surroundings of people that I was around and being just, a, they really did try their best to raise me to be a very kind, genuine human being to others and to care about others. And so I think I owe a lot of that to them for sure, because they were the first models of that. <laughs> Not perfect, oh. but, you know, really good models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Shout out to mom and dad. Yeah, to my Shema. <laughs> yes. And what I appreciate you mentioning is like the comparison. One thing that came to my mind is how our relatives model. They don't say this is how it is. They just model, right? They show up and do the work based on their role as a parent and as a woman or as a man. And then when you leave, seeing the difference, it's not like this everywhere, right? Also, just the genuine fact that your father just honoring his partner and really staying true to that, that takes a specific character. I just wanted to just lift those two things up. I thought that was really insightful because leaving the res, you do see a lot of comparison. Things are like, wait, this is how it's done. Or are we doing it wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we realize yeah. we're not. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it took me a really long time to unpack that. I didn't quite see how different it was growing up that way. But now as I'm approaching halfway to 40 now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never, ever see myself not being raised like that ever. <laughs> Thank you for telling us a little bit about your mom and your dad. So what got me really curious when I found you on the Instagram page was a video that showed you dancing and practicing. And then you had hurt yourself. It was like November. Um, November of last year. Yes. And I, when I heard the video, I was like, What? is that sound? I thought it was like background. And then you noted that was my injury popping. And I was like, oh my God, this is what fuels her. And to all of a sudden in an instant moment, not have that ability. Then my curiosity was like, how is she going to heal in this journey? And it's been a year and what has shifted for you? Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So just, yeah. So just some background about that. It was November 15th of last year. Dance is my life. And that is something that I always first and foremost tell people when I'm asked, what is, what is dance to you? What does it mean? I'm like, no, dance to me is like air. It's like food. I, I have to have it because it is literally the, the thing that I have used as a way to move through life in all its ups and downs. So what's going on with life, whether it's jobs or whatever, I have to move because that is literally how I live. And so I'll, a lot of what I would do is sometimes I go to the gym. I try to stay in shape because I just want to be, as I get older, I want to be as healthy as I can. And I devote a lot of extra time to being able to, to practice and really cultivate my craft. Because as an artist, you are always learning and growing. I feel there's a sense of learning that I always strive for. I never want to feel like I'm the master of anything. Like I will always be the master student because I want to learn and grow in every way that I can. And so I was just one day just practicing like I normally do. And I feel myself a lot when I dance because I feel like it's a good way to see how I'm moving and like how I want to approach a certain song or I want to approach a certain story within my body. And just just that day 
my Achilles tendon in my right ankle decided to just completely rupture. It just completely tore apart. As you can, as you said, in the video that I shared, I actually caught it on camera and you can hear it popping. And it was so jarring. I think back on it, I was in so much shock for a while because I was like, did this really happen? It's like one of the things as dancers, it's one of our worst nightmares is to injure our knees and our Achilles. It's like the thing we're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And so, and then unfortunately that meant that I had to, I had to stop dancing for a while on my feet. I had to get surgery and it sent me into probably one of the most, again, challenging, most darkest places that I've had to endure in a really, really long time because here's this tool that I had that got me through all of these hardships. And now that tool is, is broken and I have to wait for it to heal. And I have to do a lot of things to keep it, you know, uh, I had to take care of it. And now I had to really, I had to really dive back into the whole reason why I danced in the first place. Because when I think of dance as a philosophy for myself, I think of it as not just movement. Like for me, dance is your spirit moving. And here was the test to put that to work. I was like, well, you always said that you can dance without dancing. So here it is. Here's here's your moment to really dive into that. And it was difficult. There were times where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know how to dance without moving my feet. And people would tell me, oh, I'm sure you can dance laying down. And I was like, but it's not the same. You know, <laughs> it's not it's so different. And, you know, at first I resisted. I was so sad and so angry. I was just mad. And, you know, I I had gotten to a point where I was working so much to, you know, to get where I was and then for it to all just stop. It was it was hard, but looking back on it and seeing what has happened within the last year, you know, a good part of it was being still for a really long time. It took like six months before I could really feel confident to move on my feet again and to put weight back on my foot and trust it that it was going to be okay. But it really did, again, it tested my thought process of dance that, you know, dance really is how our spirit moves and that you could move your spirit without even having to move a finger. And so that was kind of where that journey took me. And now, you know, approaching a year anniversary of that, I've done so much in the last four months that I didn't anticipate (laughs) like laying on my couch like crying like oh my god like what's gonna happen is this the end and just being back on my feet and being able to be back dancing again and getting ready to teach some dance workshops this weekend back on the res and being able to offer that in person again is gonna be really fun but it just really taught me to value my instrument and that which is my body and it it took me on a such a very tumultuous journey but it, here I am I'm alive I'm I'm making it through <laughs> how do you think your dance has changed since the healing um I definitely have to trust myself more and I realized that my body is actually capable of doing more things than I give it credit to um before getting hurt you know I was always really scared especially as you get older, you know, your, your, you know, your body just yeah, doesn't work the way it was when you're like 19. Right. And right. I'd always be a little scared of like, Oh, I don't think I can do that because I, you know, I'm an old, I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties now and I can't do that after hurting myself. I'm like, yes, I can. Like <laughs> I can so do that. It was really interesting because like I do have a sense of fear a little bit more when I move, but like 
when I push myself to do something I didn't think I could do like two, three years ago, it's like such an amazing freedom, like to not, to know that a lot of the boundaries I had about my own physical capabilities was really just all in my head. I was like, wow, I can actually do that. Didn't know I could do it until I tore my Achilles. Awesome. So isn't that crazy how powerful our body is, like how much wisdom our body has we don't listen to it, right? Half the time. Mm-hmm. And also how much our brain overrides us and, mm-hmm. you know, tricking us like, you can't do that. That's impossible. Or we get to a place where we're, we overthink something and then we decide, no, I'm not going to do it. It just it blows me away knowing how powerful our body is and how a lot of times there's sometimes there's this friction <laughs> between our body and our mind. Yeah. And it's funny too, because it's like, not funny, that's the wrong word. It's coincidental that like, I I struggled with that even before I got injured as just a, a native dancer in general, right? Because I didn't grow up training in dance the way most people think about it. You know, sometimes when people think, oh, you're a dancer, the assumption is that you started dancing when you were three or you trained in ballet and you like do a lot of the more Western Eurocentric styles. Whereas that wasn't the case for me. I taught myself to dance for many years before I even stepped into a studio. And a lot of what I learned was through community and meeting other dancers at ciphers and battles and jams and really just trusting my own body to tell the story that I wanted to tell without feeling like it wasn't quote unquote dance enough for people, right? And so it was really interesting to be reminded of that journey for myself of like, wow, like you came from a place where people would always like question whether or not what you were doing was dance, but you knew it was dance way before anyone else did. And it was a way to remind myself that the work I do with movement is worthy and deserving enough to be what it is. And it shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to put up those mental blocks on it just because it's not dance in the way most people think about it. You had said something about breaking down stereotypes of us as Indigenous people, Native people, and what we look like and what we can do, even like forms of dancing. We have our traditional dances, right? And you're bringing in this form, contemporary dancing and what that looks like. And I don't know if you want to say anything about that, because I know that's something that's really important to you and you're really trying to message that as well. Yeah, I think so. I think what you said right there is like the fact that contemporary natives exist in in these spaces, right? Like a lot of times what I would come up against was phenotypes and the sort of pressure to perform my culture so that it was, quote unquote, native enough for people to consume, right? And so I really had to understand, okay, well, who am I creating this for? And is it for consumption or is it for expression, right? Am I doing this as a way to give this as a way for people to consume or do I want people to experience something with it? And so that's why for the last few years of my career in dance, I've been really trying to not feel the need to like blast my culture out there (laughs) because I feel like there's a line that I have for myself of what I keep from me traditionally and ceremonially and also what I share with the masses because I don't just want to be tossing out like all my cultural knowledge and stories to just anybody right I want to be able to understand where that boundary is for me but also I feel like it allows us as artists to really 
create and dive into our means of our process and our creativity if we don't have those borders keeping us in saying that, oh, well, in order to be a Native artist, you have to do this or you have to, or being an artist of this specific, specific medium, you have to do it like that. I think what I really strive for is that my work is, is Native, it's Indigenous because I myself as a Native person have created it. So I don't need to dress it up as a Native thing just for people to like it or like feel like it's enough. I'm like, no, why should I do that? We don't ask that of some, we don't ask that of other artists of other backgrounds who like just create because they're artists. And I want that for us as well. And in all mediums, not just dance and not just film and music. I think Mm -hmm. it's just, we create our art and it stems from us and those things are never separate. So I, I don't need to, I don't need to amp up. I don't need to throw on feathers or paint or anything. I'm like, nope, what I'm sharing right now is a story for me and you're going to receive it because it's for me, right? I love it. Talk about a fine dance. (laughs) (laughs) In the sense of the word, yes. It's perfect for this. In the sense of like, I appreciate you also just mentioning the boundaries. There are boundaries and what I feel should be shared or not. There are certain things that are meant to be sacred and only meant to be for you. You're doing a lot of things besides the dancing, your film and your producing and you're an advocate for language. Pulling that all together, what do you feel is your true medicine and how you're trying to show up for not only yourself, but your family, your community? Yeah, so I always first move with anything in my life with intention. There has to be intent behind everything that I do because I think there's so much meaning packed into what I create and what I say and what I do. And not just, again, not just in dance, but like my work as a filmmaker and as a writer. Um, If there's no intention behind what I want to put out into the world, then I I see that as like wasted energy as something that like just is just it's okay. There it is. So I, I always say that to dancers. I, I Don't waste your movement. Don't move just to move and to throw a bunch of stuff together. Have reason behind it. So I think that's one intention is a really important medicine and this that I have to what it is that I do. And the second is the communal exchange with the community. I, I never want to create my art just for myself. Like there is a part of it that is meant for me. And I think as artists, we we do our work to connect to ourselves and whatever ways that means. But I also feel like it, for me, I have to know how that work also helps the people around me, whether that is my family, whether that is my friends, the community. And also for me, a huge part of that passion is about youth, helping young people in a way that not only provides them accessibility and platforms, but also as a way for them to have tools and resources for them to heal. And healing is really what I strive for. I don't strive for anything else except to help community heal and to help myself heal. And how does that all work together? So I feel like those are the main sense of like drive and root and medicine that I have to carry. If those are not involved with what I'm doing, then I feel like I'm wasting what I have to say and I'm not doing what it is that I'm wanting to do in that sense. Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. I love the intentionality. I love that this is beyond me. This is about the community and the young people and also the healing. There's so many modalities out there for healing, right? Music, dancing, art, writing, just 
so many tools out there to help us heal. Was this always what you wanted to do? I'm going to be a dancer. That's what I'm going to be. Oh, yeah. I knew that very early on. I think even before I even knew it myself really? personally. Yeah, because I always had to move. Like, I, you know, it's so funny to me when I think back to my childhood, how just different I was. <laughs> like, you like, I was singing, I was always dancing. And everybody just always just like, she's so weird. Like, what's going on with this one? She's so different. But I, I knew that I loved, I, I knew that I loved the arts whether that was singing, dancing, being in theater. I just, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. I want to say like when I felt like I had that moment was in elementary school. We used to do these Christmas plays every year and they were like the big thing. Everybody was like, oh, I'm going to be in the Christmas play this year. It was like a music teacher. Shout out Mr. Ryan. <laughs> when you get elementary school, who would put on these annual Christmas plays and everybody would take part. It would be a play and there'd be singers and dancers and we'd get to act. And it was then that I really was like, I I really like doing this. And I I started being the soloist in a lot of the and throughout the program. And so I was like, okay, I think I have a knack for this. Um <laughs> and so that's why when there wasn't really any programs to really foster that want and that sort of desire to be in this field, I had a plan. <laughs> my plan was I'm gonna do really good at school. I'm going to try my best to get like scholarships to pay for college. So that way I can leave and go to college and I can use that scholarship money and I can enroll in a program finally that where I can actually pursue theater, dance and film. And so I got really good at science. I'm actually, I actually really love science. I did a lot of environmental work. I competed in a lot of science fairs, both locally, internationally, and nationally, and was able to win scholarship money. And that was my whole goal was I wanted to do well in school and tell my family, oh, I'm going to pursue engineering or environmental science. And I got to college and I was like, I'm changing my major to theater. (laughs) (laughs) You pulled a fast one on folks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because I, I mean, because I said like growing up back in Gallup, there was only maybe one program that I knew of and it closed down like fairly early on. And so I just was like, no, I have to go somewhere to really immerse myself in it. And if it's not here, then I have to find it somewhere else. And that's the whole reasoning why my work right now with my company, with the Ajish Performing Arts Program that I'm building is to provide that accessibility to that programming that I didn't have growing up. And so that way Mm -hmm. kids from back home don't have to wait until they're in college to pursue careers in the arts if they want to. And that's if they want to. I think it's just... I just want them to be able to express and create and cathartically release things through art. And unfortunately, our funding for arts programs has gone down a lot in the last recent years. So a lot of that experience ties into why I am so passionate about building accessible performing arts programs for res communities. And that was the name of your program? Yeah, uh, Ajish. Yeah. Which means dance. dance. <laughs> and, and now, oh yeah, Ajish, yeah. <laughs> But right I now, love I, it. yeah, right now where I'm doing outreach workshops that are free, I'm partnering with the Window Rock School District and I have my first workshop with them with their fourth graders this upcoming Monday. And then I hope to grow it mm-hmm. because, yeah, because I, I feel like if I have the tools and the resources and I, I understand what it's like when you're growing up on the res and you can't afford to go into town to go into Gallup for a weekend, if, unless you're going to do laundry or grocery shop, right, to bring the arts to the kids and it usually means going there and going to different schools and being able to offer them that 
we'll put information in the notes for folks to check your website. If yeah. You, yeah, to support. And if you're a nonprofit, I'm sure people might want to donate. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be doing the Just Performing Arts program this year on the res. I did it last year online. I partnered with the Santa Fe Indian School and just offered, because it was still when COVID was pretty, pretty intense back on the res. So I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing in-person. The long-term vision of that is I really want to be able to open up a center of some sort and like Gallup because that's my home. That's <laughs> detail for me. Like I'm a detail person all the way to be able to have a center. I love just doing reach in general. So that's the long-term vision for that is I hopefully one day want to be able to open up a center there and be like children from all corners of the res come here and make art. <laughs> so. Mm, so inspiring. Res made and now giving back to the community, giving back to the youth. When was your big break? Like, when did you realize like, wow, this is exciting and doors started opening? Oh, um, let's see here. I want to say, because I've been doing this for a long time and I feel like it wasn't until maybe two years ago when I actually decided to start pursuing my work as an artist full time, because I was working full time at a nonprofit for a while in Santa Fe. And I was just doing all of this as a hobby. I was just like, something on the side. And so when I decided, yeah, but like almost two years ago that I wanted to pursue it more as my job, that I felt like I had to take a leap and be like, okay, I'm going to leave my full-time job. And this was like when Dark Wind season one was happening and I got a little small role there and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to take this as incentive to keep going. And then I ended up getting more support funding wise to really make a lot of the work that I wanted to do with performing arts happen that I felt like that was when I felt like, okay, yes, this is a good time to do this. And yeah, I want to say within the last, again, strangely this year, literally being the most challenging thing I've had physically happen to me was also a lot of the most like best opportunities have come my way. And it's so weird. I'm like, well, this is a strange thing. I want to say like the thing that really catapulted me, I think, really to keep going, the Finding Nemo. When I did that, I was like, okay, this is doable. This, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm really happy that within the last like five years, this sort of explosion of Native work and cinema and Native driven artistry has been happening. Whereas when I first started, when I was 19 years old, that was like not a thing. We're just like, well, I'm trying to like, you know, or why are you trying to work? And was like, nobody cares about it. Or like, it's just not going to happen. And then, you know, be 19 year old me. And I was like, I think it can be. And then here I am at 34 year old and being like, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're on mute. <laughs> I am on mute. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to be coughing in everyone's ears. So what, what's in the horizon? You're in Dark Winds. You were in the first season. Mm-hmm. And what else is happening for you that you're excited about? Yeah. So I had just recently released my short film, Sangwa, which is a dance film. That's part of the Stories in Motion series. So it's a film series that will highlight young Native dancers, different styles and backgrounds. And I'm currently working on the second one. So stay tuned. Coming 2023, Ajish number two will be happening. So that's available to view on Vimeo. Wa is the name of the film. And I am wrapping up the last leg of filming for my first full-length documentary that will be um, 
airing, hopefully, if things work out in timing-wise next year on PBS. That's been the biggest project I've had to take on to date. I'm executive producing that as well as helping write for it. And we've been filming in some awesome places. And so we'll be wrapping that up. Again, doing a lot more outreach work with the JIT, working with schools in the next year. And I will be on a series, a new series on Fox in 2023, where I was able to work with director Tazba Chavez, you might know from like Reservation Dogs and Rutherford Falls and so many other things that she has done that has been amazing. Got to work with her for the first time as a director, got to work with some other amazing native actors. And so that will be premiering in 2023. Um, And yeah, and Darkwing season two. So. Wow. Congratulations. It's so exciting. I love seeing how much of our relatives are getting recognized in the media, in movies. I see more and more producing, like, I just think it's amazing. And I love the fact that there's more of us, you know, in in the public eye. Yeah. I think it's just amazing. Yeah. And then just related to dance, like I was, I don't know the full on details of like how it's going to be released, but I was able to do a really fun project with MTV that featured me as a dancer. So stay tuned for that. That's coming out this month though for Native American Heritage Month. I don't know the date yet. They did tell us that it was going to come out this month. So I was able to do a really fun uh, featurette for Native American Heritage Month and, you know, they hired me to be the dancer. So (laughs) I love it. So are you dancing with your moccasins on? Because I know sometimes you have your moccasins on when you dance. Yeah, yeah, I did. I it was in a location that was very woodsy. So I was like, I can't go barefoot. So <laughs> um, but yeah, and also I think if anything, I'm really excited about the work I've been doing in film, not just behind the camera, but and in front. But I think I get the most excited when I am able to just when I'm able to dance. I just because again, dance is my life. Like that is first and foremost, like the thing that drives me throughout everything. And whenever I get a chance to showcase that and share that. I feel really happy about that when that happens. So it's nice to be able to be like, oh yeah, you're it was funny. We were just seeing Gallup. I was in Gallup with a friend. We were getting coffee at one of the places downtown. And this has been a while since I've actually been in at home. And we walked in and one of the workers at the coffee shop had recognized both me and my friend from social media. And he's like, oh, I follow you. And um, he's like, you're the dancer. And I swear to God, when I get recognized as Natalie, the dancer, the the native dancer, that to me is more flattering than me. Like, oh, I saw you in this show. (laughs) Because I'm like, I I like trying, you know, I'm like, I'm a dancer. You can be a dancer too. (laughs) You need to do dance classes for adults. Oh, I love, I love doing dance classes for adults, actually. Yeah. And I think when I approach dance, teaching dance, it's like I, a lot of that work goes into really dismantling our ideas about dance, because again, mm. we have our judgments yes. and our assumptions of like, oh, I'm not a dancer, but like, no, but like, what does that mean though? Like when dance is movement, like it's really about what your body wants to do. And so when I work with adults, a lot of times, and even like professional dancers sometimes need that reminder. I've had some professional dancers be like, wow, like I completely forgot that the whole reason why I dance is because my soul needs to say something, you know? And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, that's, that's dance. I love that. Our soul needs to say something. I love that yeah. with the dance. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I might have to schedule some time for some private dance lessons for me. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I'm, I want to eventually be able to um, 
we, again, just because of this year of having a lot of my eyes opened in terms of not having a lot of accessibility. I feel like a lot of the work I want to do too is like d- teaching dance to people who have disabilities um, yes. or not, or, or who are passed over a lot of the times because they're, you know, mm. they're not as, you know, people don't see them as physically capable. Like I was talking to another friend, dancer friend of mine who also this year ruptured me we were both like, we need to like get together and teach a class for people with disabilities or people in wheelchairs or people who want to move, but don't necessarily have a place to do it because everyone only offers it to young, healthy, ableist, like able-bodied dancers, you know? <laughs> so um, so that's another goal of mine eventually. I want to be able to teach dance classes at senior centers, you know, or like just, yeah, just anywhere. I think we need to move. I want, I want yes. people to move because it, it's so healthy for us and it makes us happy. It does. And I think that's a great idea about having classes to help folks keep moving. That makes you happy. In fact, I wanted to read your quote. And I'm curious, especially now after coming to a year of your healing journey, right? But this is what you had mentioned because someone had asked you, what does it mean to you to dance? And you said, dance is how I heal. It's how I accept the light and the dark within myself. And it's how I communicate between everything that is beautiful and everything that is flawed. And it's a way that I honor myself, my family, my ancestors. Because when I dance, I dance because I like the moves that we create. We don't have life to it because we weren't supposed to exist until we make them exist. When you hear the phrase dance is life, that is for me what it means. It's the balance of everything in life. All that is harmony, this core, sadness, joy, it's everything. There's no other words besides that. Dance is life. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I actually had forgotten about that for a bit because, again, I got caught up in my just everything that I'm trying really hard not to get emotional. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, I'm trying not to apologize for when I get emotional because I'm Mm. human. And so I feel very human things. So just feelings. I think when things inside us move us to places, like when we move to the darker sides of our, of our minds and our hearts and our spirits, a lot of times people try to steer away from that. Whereas I've become someone who in the last year has really tried to embrace all of that. And I think when I hear that quote, I remember that there's that light, but there's also that dark. And even though at the time, I mean, it's been some years, sometimes since I said, since I shared that quote, it's been like, what, 2019, I think I said that. I'm like, wow, I even at that point knew that I use this as a way to navigate the darkness within myself, even if that is something that is not something we want to do all the time. But I'm, I'm very, very blessed and grateful to have something so meaningful to use. And I only ever want other people to have that for themselves as well. When hearing it again too, a lot of times when I see something that I wrote or maybe a video, I'm like, oh, it's so interesting how I knew that, but it has a different meaning for me now. Mm-hmm. Same. Like I, I will never take dance for granted the way I used to ever again. Like, I'm so grateful that out of all the things that I could have in my life, I have my health and my body and I was able to recover. And a lot of people don't have that 
that ability sometimes. And I, yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely just want, again, to share that healing power with everybody. I'm like, so I'd love for you to share your final words of wisdom to people. We have listeners from all over, people in all seasons of their life and Native and non-Native. What, what do you want to leave with them? Hmm. I would say, I, I would hope for us as a collective of humans embrace change more. You know, I, I shared a lot of how I've changed within the last year. And I know that within another year, by this time next year, I'm going to be a completely different person because our lives are always moving and shifting and transforming. We're always going through transformation. And I think whatever that means for you, and you don't even have to be an artist to transform. As as humans, we're a transformative species. We're hopefully and growing in our thoughts and our minds. And I think I encourage people to change and grow and evolve when we move through cycles and seasons that way. The more we're just able to be more capable, again, of healing parts of ourselves that need to heal and discovering parts of ourselves that we at one point probably wouldn't let ourselves do and then at another times will. So um, I say welcome, welcome that. I love it. Thank you. Beautiful. So I have a couple of quick round questions. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, just some of them are straightforward and some of them are maybe a little deep, but is your bed made right now? Um, Yes, it is. That is is something my mama will not let me not do. (laughs) It is conditioned in my brain to make my bed every single morning. (laughs) I believe it's one of the core practices to show how your day is going to be, right? If anything doesn't go right, at least you know your bed is made. Yeah, no, it was, there was no way that you would ever have your bed not made in my house growing up. It was, it was mandatory. <laughs> what is one of your nicknames? Um, well, Nat, obviously, um, but my nickname that my family gave me is <laughs> so embarrassing, but it's like Natish twin, which like means like stinky Nat, apparently. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks guys. You guys love me so much. <laughs> uh- my son helps me behind the scenes to get things ready. And I always ask him, what question would you want to ask our guests? And he had said, I bet she has a good selection of music, like a stash for every occasion. My arsenal of jams. Absolutely. <laughs> I have so many playlists. It's ridiculous. I think so. For, when I first teach people dance in general, I always first and foremost go to the love of my life that got me into dance in the first place, hip hop. I love me some good hip hop and not just, and not hip hop in the sense that it, people think of it as now. I'm like, no, like if, if it's not going back to where it first started, <laughs> you're, what are you doing? What are you doing? Cause when I teach hip, when I teach the bounce, I mean, the bounce is the, is the heartbeat of hip hop. And it's also like the culture and the knowledge that comes along with it. And so I always am, am learning a lot about like, where did these styles stem and, you know, and that always music and dance are always hand in hand, you know? So when I, when I teach hip hop or when I teach any other styles, I'm always like dive back to the past <laughs> because that's where it all started. Love it. So um, favorite dancer. Oh, that is so hard. Okay. Um, 
Oh my God. Uh, I have so many dance idols. Obviously, very, very. Um, I love the electric boogaloos because I'm a popper. So I love the electric boogaloos. Um, RIP to all the members, to most of the members who have passed. I also, of course, studied uh, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson. I really am a huge fan of Galen Hooks, who is an amazing choreographer who kind of is like in my style of dance. She's worked with a lot of different artists. I love Paris Grobel because she's hot and fierce and I want to be her. Um, <laughs> I also really enjoy, God, there's so many people. There's a Japanese choreographer. Oh my God, I'm going to butcher her name. He, again, is very much like me, like only like choreographs a lot with intention. And she does a lot of choreography with like K-pop artists and J-pop artists. Um, I am spacing out her name. Oh my God, what is her name? But she's amazing. I'm a huge fan of the Jabwalkies, obviously. Uh, I definitely gravitate towards a lot of dancers who are not like your typical mainstream dancers. Mm -hmm. I like the more like people who like push the boundaries a little bit on how they do their choreography. So, um, yeah. I only knew, I think, was the Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're kind of good. They're kind of, you know, your go-to people. But like, I mean, they were mentored by one of the members of the Boogaloos. They learned that. They didn't make that up themselves. They learned it from those people. So, <laughs> And I know the Jabberwockies. I know at least the, at least three of the, your list, but. Yeah. Thank you. Um you sang when you were playing Dor, um, the little fish story. Mm -hmm. You were singing. So, do you sing? Oh yeah. Okay. I can do, I can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, if you could sing a duet with anyone, who would it be? Oh, mm, if I could sing a duet with anyone, I would love to. Again, because I, a lot of my background is in theater as well, and musical theater, I would love, 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 love to have to be able to sing with Leslie Odom Jr because I was a huge fan of him before he became like known for Hamilton. But his voice is so good. So I would love to sing a duet with him. And Leah Salonga. Leah Salonga is my, I would probably faint because she's like my idol when it comes to singing, especially because again, she's involved in Broadway musical theater as well. And she's the singing voice of Jasmine, Mulan, like Leah Salonga. That is, that is my number one. Nice. <laughs> What was the latest thing you binged on? Binged? Ooh, I have been on a really, uh, I, I was watching the new interview with Vampire series on AMC. Um, House of the Dragon, obviously, just because I was like, okay, I'm hooked. Um, <laughs> and then I also just watched a, a K-drama. First of all, I was aware of K-dramas way before they became popular in the States and everywhere. We used to <laughs> illegally download them on my roommate's laptop in college <laughs> because you couldn't get them anyway here in the States. And so now it's like on Netflix now. And I'm like, dude, I was, uh, my friend just got married who like introduced me to that. I was like, dude, do you remember like us being in our dorm room trying to like download these episodes and here they are just on Netflix now? She's like, yeah, it's so weird. But I just binge watched a K-drama, uh, The Extraordinary Attorney, which is about a autistic lawyer. That's really, really good. Um, mm. Definitely good series so those are the latest binges I, i've had all right last one finish this phrase the way to my heart is the way to my heart is you make me food <laughs> any particular food <laughs> any kind of food i was of course raised to do the whole butcher make the 
But like, that was just not my thing. I struggled and I still this day always so scared to cook for people. But like, if you cook for me, I'm like, I'm, you, you, I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. The way to her heart is to cook for her. So, and she's open to eating anything, which is oh, fabulous. <laughs> I love food. I, I just, I love to eat. So I do love cleaning. I do love doing dishes. So most people are like, oh, I don't want to do dishes. I'm like, I'll do dishes. Well, you are always welcome to my house. I will cook and you can do dishes because I do not like doing dishes. <laughs> yeah, that's always my compromise. I'm like, you cook, I clean. I got you. Uh, well, Natalie, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you sharing your story. Also sharing what you're doing for the community and really, really happy and excited for you about what's to come. I mean, I feel like this is just the beginning. It's it's really exciting and I really enjoyed this time. I hope you also had a good time as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I always again, appreciate being able to just talk and, you know, share share my story. Because again, as much as I'm like, oh, it's not about me. It's really not all about me. Like, I really just want people to to be inspired. <laughs> so. mm. Well, definitely inspiring. You've even inspired me. And um, I mean that. You've inspired me in a place where... I love doing this. That is scary. <laughs> so when you told me you had to make that that shift, you made that decision. I was like, wow, wow. So you inspired me in that way. So thank you. I appreciate no, thank it. You. Thank you. All right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us and we'll tune in next month.